sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, yo, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. I'm Joe Pizzapia, and our next guest here is somebody that if you say football to you, he's not thinking soccer. No, no, despite the fact that he's across the pond in England, he loves him some NFL football. It's a great story and a great podcast. He's one of the hosts of Five Yard Rush out there and one of the uh, co-authors of the Fantasy Playbook and uh, one of my good friends in the industry. I'm always happy to have him. Uh, on any of my shows and happy to be on his, but now we put him on TV, the handsome man himself, Mr. Murph. Welcome to the programs. Good to have you today, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've uh, I've lost a lot of hair since uh, since we spoke. Um... Don't tell me about losing hair. <laughs> uh, I saw the beard's been trimmed back and it looks very uh, very you know, cropped now, very nice. So so well done there. But that's okay. The hair looks good. The beard looks good. Well, and, the wife uh, did it, so I'll pass on the compliments. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, I'm sure she can make a little side change cutting hair too. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> especially Amen. nowadays. So you know, let let's take everybody through the story because. You know, obviously, NFL football is really, you know, starting to become more of a global game. And you guys are kind of, I feel like, right in the middle of that in Five Yard Rush uh, and and that podcast and that movement that's going on there. And I was kind of surprised, like the first time a couple years ago when you had me on, you know, just how passionate the level has risen in just a few, you know, three or four years for NFL football. So how did Murph get into the NFL? Because I know you spent some time stateside. So take us through the story because it's a great one. Yeah, I, I lived in uh, Orlando, Florida from 2000 to 2005, went to high school, went to university in Florida, uh, and then came back. And um, because I was in Orlando, um, first year I'm in school, a couple of guys say, you know, we need to get you in a fantasy football league. I was like, yeah, sure. I know nothing. I'd watched a few games on uh, one of our local they stations. They wanted to take double. advantage of you. They thought <laughs> you were money. Yeah, and, year one, and year one, they did. They Year one, I got absolutely taken to school. I made some ridiculous trades and it didn't really work. And then year two, I decided I was going to clean up, double down, did some research in Barnes & Noble, going through the old magazines and, uh, and took them all to school. And then I didn't get invited to play anymore. So... <laughs> <laughs> I was a quick study with fantasy football and had to because I hate losing. Um, so, yeah, and then local team Buccaneers because they were pretty close. And, uh, yeah, you know, got to see some great successes. It was at the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 37, which they won. A friend of mine worked for Malcolm Glacier. So we went out there. We had tickets. In- incredible time there. And uh, and then I came back and I was like, well, this is going to be a hard sport to follow. Um, it's not really on any network. And no one's really picking it up. And then two years after I come back, they're like, Oh, okay, so we're going to start bringing games over to to England. I was like, this is right up my street. This is amazing. And then it took a few years to really sort of get a, a good following. Um, and then now it's just unbelievable. And then I, I met Stocks for a fantasy league. He he started a podcast with his friend. His friend was starting a new business venture. He bowed out. He said, well, why don't you come along? And they were probably about 15, 20 episodes in. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I came on as a guest and then just never left. I just kind of made myself up. <laughs> And I look, don't know if he's officially asked me to be on. I kind of take it now after well, like three or four years. It's red. You're on. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. a couple of years now. I think you're pretty much the co-host of that show right now, and uh, and it's great and and it's amazing because like you guys have listener leagues now. Like the podcast has grown so much, and you know it's unfortunate we're not going to get. I know it's a bummer we're not going to get NFL out in London this year, but I mean I still have very much of the mind that we're going to have a football team out there permanently at some point in our lifetime, probably in the near future. And it kind of blew my mind, like how much it's really taken off. And, but in a way, I'm not surprised because I feel like it's a better pace than baseball. You know, baseball is every day. Mm-hmm. NBA is every day for the most part. You know, football, you get that once a week. It's a little bit more in that UK, European feel of what sports are in that country or in some of those countries. Because I feel like it's, you know, even, sometimes even World Cup and stuff like that. Like we can handle like the big time sports for a short period of time every day. But then everyone needs a break. But the once yeah. a week NFL seems to really fit the lifestyle, I would say, too, right? It does, but absolutely. But the one thing that UK fans don't want is a team. They really? want they, everyone, everyone. No, no one. Very, for the vast majority of people, do not want a London-based franchise. What they want is eight games, and they want to uh-huh. see their team every couple of years. That's what we want. We would rather have eight games come over here every year in two stints of four, whatever they want to do. We've got the facilities. We've got an NFL purpose-built stadium now in Tottenham, right? Um, which spent a lot of money. I, you know, blessed to be. Uh, 
you know, pitch side there and, and in the press box and it's unbelievable. You know, the fans here, they don't want, they don't want a team. They they all are Packers fans or Patriots fans, or there's a very few Buccaneers fans um, or whoever your <laughs> team is. You. But yeah, exactly, <laughs> me, me and a couple of guys and that's it. And then everybody, you know, everybody has their team and nobody wants to switch. We're very loyal fan base to our team in fact that's with all sports it's mm. highly encouraged you pick a team you stick with your team that is your team and you you ride and die with how it is so no no one wants a team here we just won eight games give us eight games a year here all right. we'll all love it there you go all right so let's talk about your tampa bay buccaneers because you have my old quarterback and tom brady so let's talk about expectations so Obviously, I would say they're much higher than they've usually been. The Buccaneers, obviously, last year, really good run defense. Uh, didn't have trouble scoring points, but had a lot of trouble turning over the football. Theoretically, Tom Brady certainly helps that. But that running game is still kind of questionable. So where are you looking? Do you see Ronald Jones finally emerging here? Is this a Keyshawn Vaughn pivot? Or are you just begging off all the running backs are together and just kind of going just with the wide receivers? Give me Brady, give me the wideouts, maybe a little Gronk at a standard league and just kind of move on from there. Or is there something to salvage there with the guys running the football in Tampa? I think eventually it'll be Keyshawn Vaughn. And I think if you can get him at a late enough venture of the draft, double digit rounds, I think you, he's the one you stash for a playoff run. So if you get any of the playoffs, I think he's someone that will eventually win the ball. The key thing is everyone's kind of looking at Ronald Jones and there's all this truth about Ronald Jones breakout. The guy played 31% of the snaps last year. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to change. Darek Umbaguale, you know, he played nearly 30% of the snaps. He is still there. The reason why Dari played that many snaps is because he pass protects, because the mm-hmm. offensive line wasn't any good. Okay, you've, you've drafted Tristan Wirfs, but now, you know, it's, it's looking like he might have to play left tackle um, if Donovan Smith doesn't want to play after his recent comments. And now all of a sudden you're really sitting there with that line and you've added Jack Conklin. It's not strong enough. And, you know, that's why they've got Gronk. He's going to add an extra weapon. Keyshawn Bourne has been bought in for his pass blocking abilities. And eventually he's just going to win the role by default because they're never going to take him off the field. Yeah. And then uh, I think I agree. You can't make that investment in Brady and not, you know, protect it on the back end of it. Especially at this point, he's not exactly, you know, Josh Allen running around with the football. You know what I mean? Exactly that. And I think he starts off more as a, if we're going to compare him to the Patriots, right? He's going to start off more in that Rex Burkhead role, Mm -hmm. do a lot of the blocking, try and create something. And eventually I think he becomes the James White kind of role. And I think Rojo will have a role. I think he'll play his 30, 35% of snaps. I think he will run the football. I think he'll accumulate six, 700 yards. But he's not going to have a 100-yard game. He's not going to have those big moments. So there's no real reason to draft Ronald Jones. He's not going to break out. Um, he's not going to do enough. He's going to lose all his pass-catching role that he had last year, which was limited anyway. He might be a bi-week cover. He might be someone you pick up off waivers with a good matchup. That's kind of it. I just wouldn't wouldn't invest anything in Roger. Would you and- rule them out signing a veteran like a Dante Freeman who's still out there? Well, there was talks that we tried to, and um, – it looked like the money didn't work because the Bucks cap is quite tight this year. It opens mm-hmm. up more next year. I think if there's one going cheap, that could happen, but I don't think so. I think they like the guys. I think, you know, you've invested the third round pick in Vaughn and you, um, you know, I think they like Rojo. Mm-hmm. I just don't think, I don't think they like Rojo enough to, to carry the workload and, <laughs> and be the, and be the back. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn will, will eventually just hold enough value towards the end of the season going forward. I like him in dynasty a lot more than redraft, but you're getting him in the 11th, 12th round. Why not take a flyer and see what happens? But Rojo in like the 8th or 9th, no thanks. Just pass. Just just uh, forget he's there. It's easy. <laughs> All right. Well, one guy we definitely are aware that is there is Miles Sanders. And there's been a lot of speculation here in the fantasy circles about how good can he be? There are some people that still, you know, kind of refuse to buy in 100% because of all the fear of Doug Peterson, which is fair. But last year in the second half, Miles Sanders definitely ran away with that job. And in my mind, Somewhere around 15 to 20 touches a game is exactly where he should be. I don't think he's a 25 kind of touch guy anyway from the body type. So do you think that there's enough there in that 15 to 20 range that he is going to, I don't say crack the top five, but maybe approach that when all said and done at the end of the season when we look back on it? Not for me. I, I am in the Doug Peterson camp. Of, I'm ah. a little cautious. Um, <laughs> for me, with, with Marzana, I've got him around about that 15, 16 range. And I think, you know, Drafting him in the second, third round is, is a little high. I think, you know, if you're getting him as you sort of fourth round running back, I quite like that. Maybe the beginning of the fourth, maybe the tail end of the third. I don't I don't hate that with the upside. Doug Peterson doesn't, um, he goes with the hot hand all the time. You know, he's had 100-yard rusher since week four of 2017. That was Miles Sanders, um, you know, week 15 last year when they were down to bare bones. So 
he's not going to get many hundred yard rushing games because that's not how Peterson designs his game. Um, therefore, you're relying on all those touches, receptions. That's what you're relying on him to kind of make up his yardage. And touchdowns, you know, he's fighting with Ertz, he's fighting with Goddard. You know, they've invested in wide receivers. I just don't see him getting the touchdowns. I think he'll get a few. I think Boston Scott will get a few. They're going to sign a back. We all know they're going to do it. It's the worst kept secret in sports. It's going to happen at some point. So, yeah, I, I think for me, uh, he's a good solid mid-range running back two, but no more than that. And it's not due to talent. I think he's a very talented player. I just think right, the situation. Enough. Fair enough. So, let's see. We've hit some running backs here. Let's hit some wide receiver stuff. Let's talk about the Rams a little bit because, uh, you know, everyone has that annual question about, you like Robert Woods, you like Cooper Cup. I know some people were concerned about Cup towards the end of the year, but the beginning of the year was just brilliant for him, and then things kind of turned, but maybe there was an injury to Cup. I'm not sure exactly what was going on, if we'll ever really know. How are you investing in the Rams offense this year with Jared Goff, with these wide receivers? Is there an approach you're taking with the Rams, or is it another hands-off situation like for you and Miles Sanders? I've been buying Robert Woods nonstop in every draft I've been in pretty much with the exception of the Scott Fishbowl because Gary had out the reigning champs. <laughs> and we've had a conversation and went, and I'm not happy. Um, <laughs> well, at least you've had it out with it. You got to have yeah, a conversation exactly. first and, and have it out with those guys too. But uh, I love Robert Woods. You know, he was going at the end of the fifth uh, in May. He was going at the um, start of the fifth in June. He's going at the end of the fourth, mid fourth now. So at the end of the day, he he is a buy now candidate. He played 92% of the snaps. He was a wide receiver 14 last year in PPR. He missed the top four by one touchdown, uh, top 12 by one touchdown. And that was due to the fact that he only, he only caught two touchdowns. You know, all the volume was there, record year in, t- in receptions, record year in yardage. Just didn't have the touchdowns. That's going to regress to the mean. He's going to have even more targets. There was 140 nine targets that were vacated by Cooks and, and Gurley. Um, Josh Reynolds isn't getting all that. Cam Akers isn't getting all that. Cup is kind of maxed out, even though he, he plays around 75, 80% of, the, of, of, of snaps. Woods isn't getting off the field. He's going to get so much extra volume. He's going to break that record again for his personal record of, of, of receptions and targets. And he's going to get more yards, but he's going to get the touchdowns. Uh, he reverts to seven touchdowns or, or even six. He's a top six wide receiver, no doubt. I know a lot of people are excited about Cam Akers, too, because, again, there's just a void for opportunity, right? And I don't Absolutely. know if anyone's really buying into Henderson necessarily or, you know, any other guys in that backfield. So that's an offense going to be fascinating to see. And I think you're right, man. I think I think you're going to see a lot of Cup and a lot of Woods, both of them. They're going to be throwing the ball a ton. And I don't know if it's going to work out for them because they've got divisions pretty tough. They're going to be looking up there. But while you're looking up, make sure you're looking up uh, my friend Murph here and the Five Yard Rush podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at Five Yard Rush. Real quick, where can everybody uh, go out and get the book too? Buy it on Amazon, uh, Fantasy Football Playbook. We won't quite be number one like you, Joe. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to play second fiddle to you anytime. It's not a problem at all. But you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it direct from our website for the PDF. It's cheaper than buying the Kindle version. Do not buy the Kindle version. We just put it on there for a lot. <laughs> there you have it. All right. Always great talking to you, man. Have a great season. I can't wait to come on your show again. Five Yard Rush. Go find them on iTunes and everywhere you listen to pods. We're going to break right here on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll be right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. You can head on over to the FanDuel Sportsbook to get all of the season win totals for all teams, 60-game season in Major League Baseball. Joe and I are covering these every single day right here for you on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. And if you want to go back on demand, our YouTube channel, guess what? It's free. All of the videos are there. Joe and I are covering two baseball teams every single day and their win totals. You can also go to sportsgrid.com, click any of the links, and see how we feel about different teams in 2020. And so let's begin today with a team that has one of the highest win totals on the board in all of Major League Baseball. Who would have thought that? The Tampa Bay Rays with a number of 33 and a half. Wow. And the over is minus 126. So the projection here clearly is pointing toward not only Tampa going over, but making the postseason for sure. The under is plus money. You bet $100, you're going to get $104 back, which is rare. If you go to FanDuel, you'll see a lot of the the numbers are minuses. This is a Mm -hmm. plus. You're actually making a little bit of money. Uh, Look, 
the Rays are an impossible team to doubt right now. They have really good starting pitching, if healthy, of course. Uh, really solid bullpen, start to finish. They are able to platoon guys left and right. It feels like their team is really deep. And and they're in a division now where it used to be Yankees, Red Sox, and maybe the Rays. Now it is Yankees, Rays, maybe the Red Sox, if that. <laughs> and so uh, the, the Rays are just so intriguing to me every year how they do business. They are never hanging on to players for any extended period of time. And, and I honestly think that they are now, like we say in the NFL, when Belichick would call, like, oh, you got to wonder about that guy, like who he's asking for. You may not <laughs> want to make that deal. The Rays, to me, are that de- are that team. If, if they're calling you about somebody or they're making a trade, you got to know that there's a chance that you're going to end up losing on that deal. And very specifically, the deal that got them Glasnow and Meadows. <laughs> puts them in an unbelievable position for this year. A horrible trade, of course, on the Pirates' side. But, Joe, the Rays are, are built to win. They're built to win right now. They added a couple of players in the offseason, too. And, boy, they, they certainly feel like a postseason team this year. Let me tell you, if ever there was a team built for a time and a place, it is these Tampa Bay Rays. Let me tell you, man, this is it. it I'm going to make an equation here, basically, to... You know, when you watch the Little League World Series, you know, some teams in that tournament, they have that one great kid, right, or the two great kids. But it's the team that has the most pitching and the team that has the most really good players. And everybody can play different positions and everybody can hit. And it's those deeper teams that tend to go all the way in the tournament. Make no mistake about this, boys and girls. This is a tournament that you're going to see this year in Major League Baseball. It's a 60-game tournament, and the Rays have been basically building for this their entire life. And when you add in the fact that the Boston Red Sox are not going to be acquiring any big-time contracts, the Yankees might not be able to do that either, the trade deadline, who knows what it's going to be. My guess is it's going to be a huge disappointment. Maybe it won't be. But what normally happens to the Rays is they're right there with everybody, and then the Yankees and Red Sox can outspend them and take on bad contracts and take on more talent and basically kind of suppress the surging Rays. That probably won't happen this year. It's definitely not going to happen for Boston. And now when you think about this rotation with Charlie Morton, who was about as good as it gets last year, you have Blake Snell healthy, hopefully Glass now, whose biggest concern is not whether or not he's any good. It's whether or not he can stay healthy over a long season. Well, guess what? It's not a long season anymore. Then you talk about the depth. If there is an injury, you can go to a guy like Brandon McKay. Uh, You look at some of the other guys too. Satsugo, who I think, you know, one of the fun things during quarantine is they replayed the WBC and I got to watch some at-bats of his. This guy's got opposite field power. This guy is legit. And I'm telling you right now, he is going to be tough for the league to adjust to out of the gate. And the gate is a very short one. And I am looking very much forward to the Rays. I think this is an over. I think this is a playoff team. And, you know, people can make the jokes as well about whether, well, the Rays are used to playing in front of empty crowds. (laughs) Well, you know what? The Rays are used to playing in front of empty crowds. They don't need to get up and excited from the crowd to get ready and prepared to play and to win. They know how to do that already. It's actually an advantage, all jokes aside. Yeah. Logan Morrison was the one that made that joke uh, yesterday that he played in Tampa and Miami, so he's used to not playing in front of fans. Well, look, I mean, that's a joke that's been going around forever, though. And I I'll tell you what. And that's why, like, you have to be an idiot to make that kind of joke. Oh, no, you know. Not only that, if, but, like, you know, I mean, you know that you're basically just knocking on the door of two teams saying, hello, I'm never playing for you ever again, because that's... Well, if the Twitter handle fits, it's Logan Morrison. And what last point this about... This is the same guy that said it was disgusting in public to see women breastfeeding, so... Yes, well, he's, he's obviously a, his own guy, isn't he? Uh, but the last thing on the race here is they are also able to do something that not a lot of other teams can do, which is start the clock on a difference-making prospect and Wander Franco. And that, when you add that into this equation of a team that's probably going to get off to a good start and then can add a piece like that anytime they want, basically, to this lineup, that's a huge win. It's like it's like adding one of these, you know, big time expiring contract guys. And I'm looking at the Rays this year, Craig, and I am very excited to watch them play. And I know our friend Jason Collette's probably very excited as well. Like there's a few Rays fans I know, like rabid Rays fans. (laughs) And like, I'd like to see them do well one year. And I think this might be their year. No, they do well every year. But But I mean, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the question that, that still has to be asked, and it's not for this bet, because I do agree with you. I would lean toward the over two. But you know, it's it's like the Oakland scenario of they get there, but do they have enough to win the World Series? You know, well, do they I have mean, how many, the how many teams can throw out three pitchers as good as the Rays can, except maybe the Nationals? 
Uh, New York, the Yankees can too. Three? Maybe. Maybe. I know, but but they're in that conversation. Here's the thing. If they can... Cleveland? They, Cleveland can. I would agree Cleveland. That's one yeah. of them. But I mean, we're talking it's like three or four teams. They can, but a lot of unproven young guys too. I, look, I'm okay. not saying that it can't happen, but this is... I could see them... It wouldn't shock me to see them win 38 and then get knocked out right away. Like, I, I just... I don't, I don't, I don't know if that can work in the postseason. It hasn't yet, but we'll see. Uh, the Texas Rangers total for 2020 is up from where it would have been for 162, based off of what? I'm not really sure, but it's up from last year. Uh, 28 and a half, and their total is minus 116 on the over. The under is minus 106. And and look, in all uh, seriousness, they did add a few pieces this off season, but the main thing that they did is they got a new ballpark and. And that's going to be great in 2021. I don't know what it does for them right now. They struck out on a few outfielders. They struck out on a designated hitter. Uh, they did get Corey Kluber. That was the trade that, that forced their hand. And, and look, they're going to have gobs of money to throw at somebody in 2021. There's no doubt. I don't know why their total is as high as it is right here. I, this, this, I don't see Texas as a 500 team. Now, maybe next year they will be, but... Is, is there something that I'm missing here? Or do they have like three or four guys that are well, all going to take that factor. next step? Because I don't know. I mean, the Corey Kluber factor is important, but I don't think that's they're good. And Lance Lynn is good. And minor. Look, their, their pitching is OK. Their bullpen is fine, but they're in the American League and they got a hit. And and, you know, I mean, look, maybe Odor takes the next step. Maybe Calhoun takes the next step. Maybe a few guys all do that. But I've watched baseball for a million years. And when you think there's like four maybes, it's usually one of the four and the three don't. So it's a long I'm, I'm going to lean you under. You look good for a million. I'm leaning you. under on Texas. They got to play the Dodgers too a bunch. I, I'm, I'm going to lean under on them. And I, and I think in the offseason, they make moves. The other thing that I could see with Texas too, by the way, Joe, is that they get to a point. And they're at the trade deadline, and they got Frazier and Odor and some other players. I could see them mm -hmm. trading guys, too. Well, for next and year. I think that, you know, I'm glad you hit on that because I was just going to say, I think it's time for them to move on from the Odors of the world and some of these other pieces. Well, they that moved they, on and, from Mazzara. You know, they yeah, did. they did, you know, which was actually kind of an odd one considering his age. But, you know, considering their system, it kind of made sense of what they had coming through the pipeline, Willie Calhoun and these guys. Uh, but you know, when all said and done, yeah, the pitching is pretty good. I think the bullpen is okay. I'm not, I'm not loving the bullpen. Okay. And you're starting off on the wrong foot here to the season with Joey Gallo testing positive for COVID. So that was not a good way to start things. So right now I would lean towards the under, I don't think I want to go after this because yeah. they are a streaky kind of team. Like this is a kind of team where if Lynn and Kluber are awesome and Joey Gallo and Calhoun are red hot for 30 days, it doesn't matter what that 30 day stretch is, but if they're hot at the same time, they could be over 500 at one point in time and make you really sweat this towards the end. And, you know, yeah, when you get to I, September. I think that's fair. I, I just I don't see the word that I would use here is predictability. And no, I don't none. see I, I think Zero. there's a lot of unpredictability with the team. And then again, usually, you know, if you if you ask those questions that you just did and let's put Lance Lynn aside because that's predictability. And I would even give minor as predictability. But now is Gallo healthy? Is he ready to go? Is Odor taking the next step? Is Calhoun taking the next step? Can Andrew still hit? Right. Is Frazier got anything left? Who is going to hit at DH in left field? You could do there. a whole segment on the questions of the Texas Rangers. There's, there's too many for that. Now, some some will happen. Some, hmm. some will come through for them this year, and, and they can yeah. build on that for next year. But there are too many questions for me to be able to, to pick them on the over and it, it does feel like this is a team that goes into the last week with 25 wins, maybe, and, and has to win four in order to go over. And it's, and it's very, very close. And, and look, Vandal's lean is on the over here at minus 116, too. But I'm just not seeing it. I don't see it either, man. I'm, I'm with you. You and I are absolutely in agreement on this one, too. And, you know, look at the prospects here of this team. You know, I know a lot about Josh Young. Well, uh, the third baseman Solak, there. Solak is the main one, but that's but and, and he may be great, but another question. Well, Solak know. is the one there now, but I don't think you know the he's upside gonna, has a chance to play this year. Oh, he's oh he's going to play this year, but I mean I'm thinking about in the future for this team, and if they decide to next year reboot this reopening of the ballpark, basically because they're not going to get to do it this year, you would have to wonder. Okay, is this a team that has enough pieces here to go out and talk and call up Colorado and say, hey. 
Yeah. Let's get Nolan Arenado in here. We're going to give you Young. We're going to give you Cole Wynn. We're going to give you Tavares. We're going to give you everybody. We want Nolan Arenado. They're going to have a major piece on their team. Well, year. but I, I feel like <clears throat> that guy in particular, what he does in the middle of the order, what he does defensively for your pitching staff, I think that it, it could you know, be, but, it's but not Joe to be looks, lost that in Texas, the name Arenado would be a very popular one in that but, community. Like I, I, just, I, I agree, but think about it this way. They, they have to fight over Arenado with other teams. And I agree with you. I think he's the perfect guy. But if they lose that fight, they take $300 million out. They give it to Mookie Betts and he plays center field for them every day. And that's fine too. And and it's going to be something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's what the, the Rangers cannot get away with having a new ballpark and not having one mega star. And regardless, I think it's time to turn over second base. I, enough with Odor already. Yeah, I, I don't know how many times probably, you're going to go down there. I, 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 he's just, you know who he is at this point. I know, but it's... The buck 80. I know, but like that, I don't see how you can win with that. Do you? If you have the other pieces we're discussing, yes, you can. If, Man, if he's I, your main guy, then no. But if you put Mookie Betts in center, you can have Odor at second, yes. Wow. I don't know, man. That's a tough sell. Buck 80 is just always a tough sell for me. And yeah. maybe I'm an old fart yes, who still likes that. He has not gotten better. That's for sure. No. All right. Coming up next, we'll dive into a little 5x5 five five rotisserie baseball. For those of you who are getting ready for your drafts, Joe has got some potential sleepers for you. And I do as well. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Also, don't forget, every single morning on SportsGrid Radio, follow us on Twitter, at SportsGrid Radio, Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. He is on every day, 5 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you catch that show. And also on the video side, Scott Farrell, Coast to Coast, bringing some of the best guests in all of sports, the best sports talk in all of sports, too, for us, for you, and for everybody else here following us on SportsGrid. We'll be right back with more in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. The fantasy baseball season in 2020 begins on July the 23rd. Opening night is next week between the Washington Nationals and New York Yankees. Joe and I will have a full preview of that show next week right here on Fantasy Sports Today and all of the games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'll be covering some in person here for SportsGrid, I can't wait for the baseball season to start. And for those people who are looking at restarting a fantasy league, Joe, and looking at potential uh, dark horses, and mm -hmm. I know that we don't use the word sleeper nearly as much as we used to because I think that there's so much data and information out there right now, there almost are no sleepers anymore in yeah. fantasy sports. <laughs> but uh, look, certainly you have to take your shots later on in the draft, in any fantasy draft, football or baseball, and hope that somebody becomes something that they're not currently at the time of the draft. It happens every year, but not easy to predict which of those players it'll end up being. Yeah, it definitely is. And look, the internet's basically killed the idea of sleepers. In fact, it has the opposite effect. Normally, the sleepers, quote unquote, are talked about so much that they end up, by the time you're in your drafts, rising to a point where they're no longer good return on investments. Yeah, but yeah. these guys basically, I think, are still in the lower bottom rung of investments and i do think there's some possibilities there we'll see if craig agrees or disagrees with me here on the program we can debate them and i'm actually going to well, start we got, we got five here for you and uh -huh. i think that, i think that in terms of what we're going to discuss i i'm actually on board with more than i'm not at least three maybe four so whoa look at this look at us Who'd have thought? So let's start here with Baltimore because that's always the place to start with a team that doesn't have a lot of expectations and a lot of people sometimes out there playing fantasy would just ignore some guys on the bad teams. And I don't think you should ignore Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes is a guy that has a good minor league track record. You go back and you say, hey, this guy can hit. Unfortunately, there was an injury two years ago and you didn't really get a lot of him. But last year, you did get some Austin Hayes over 21 games last year. He did it four home runs, 13 RBI, stole a couple bases and hit 309 over that stretch. And the the thing about that is you can point to it and say, well, September, September call ups. It's a weaker group. Yeah, that's true. But you know what else is true? 
The guy produced. So he's going to get every day at bats. He showed you at least a positive stretch there in the month of September in 2019. And look, he's going to be in a good ballpark in a good situation there where no one's taking his job away. And I think Austin Hayes is a guy that can actually give you five categories. And there's not a lot of guys out there you could say that about. So Austin Hayes is number one on this list for me. So Craig, can I sell you on a late round value of Austin Hayes of the Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, we we had Hayes on uh, on Sports Grid here on Fantasy Sports today. I interviewed him before the season. And so we had a nice discussion about some of the positives, some of the negatives. And the main positive that he said is that essentially he was hurt for right. a lot of last year and, and he was unable to play. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of player he's going to be. And I don't think that he is the best prospect in the Orioles system no. per se. But I also don't think he's Cedric Mullins where he's going to come up and be a complete bust. I think that there's a chance for 15, 20 home runs. And based on his ADP, which is average draft position, for those of you who don't know, in a deeper league, 12, 14, 16 team league, maybe he could be your fifth outfielder, maybe your fourth, mm -hmm. and potentially get some return on the investment. I'm, I'm unsure how he fits in even to the long-term plans of the Orioles, but for this year, he's absolutely a guy that's going to get every ounce of playing time because he's going to play. They, they it, do not have anyone to block this kid. So absolutely. If I, I gave I you a statistical he, profile, I would say Adam Eaton. Uh, that would be the same kind of yeah, stat profile. Yeah, I think he's got a little bit more pop than Eaton. I think he might too. But, I mean, Adam Eaton's had some 15 home run seasons over, you know, Adam Eaton's problem is health too over the years, you yeah. know, more than anything. But I think when, from an offensive stat line, if you're trying to, like, look at an equation, guy getting in for a high batting average, steal a couple bases, pop some home runs there. I think Austin Hayes is, is like a poor man's version of Adam Eaton, basically. And there's nothing wrong with that in a 60-game season. All right, let's go to the next guy on this list here. And it's a guy that uh, I picked up everywhere in February and March and all those drafts because he was free. And I like free stuff, especially free stuff that has a proven track record. And yes, there's always downside with Rich Hill. There's no doubt about that. However, over 13 games last year, Rich Hill still gave you incredible ratios. 245 ERA. 1.13 whip. He still gave you strikeouts, 72 of them, just 18 walks. And now he's dropped in a situation here with the Minnesota Twins where he's going to be opening up with them. And on top of that, Rich Hill is in a scenario where he doesn't have to stay healthy for 28, 30 starts. He's only got to make 10 or so. Can he do enough of those 10 starts to help your ratios in a 5 by 5 and probably have some run support to go with it? I think the answer is a big resounding yes, and I still feel like because of the age and the injury stigma that his value is still suppressed, even though in a reboot fantasy league that's redrafting right now, it might have gone up a little bit, but I still think it's relatively low considering what the upside is. Yeah, the reason why Rich Hill is a good buy in fantasy this year is because simply put, if you're playing with people that have played fantasy before out of 12 teams, <laughs> there's going to be four or five that will not take this time. Well, I was going to say, it's probably eight of eight of the yeah, 10 people. I'm, I'm being like, kind. This is like yeah. the Tulowitzki effect, you know? And like, I'm the guy who never has him any year because I'm always like, nah, and this year I bought him everywhere. Day, but, there's some, but the guy next to you and the guy on the other side of you are definitely not taking Rich Hill. Right. And for that reason, you can get him very late, a very, yeah. very late in a draft. And, and you probably will never take him after this year because you're nope. going to be upset. Nope, but, this is it. <laughs> but this is, this is the Alamo. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> There's not many there's not many teams left in a 12 team league who haven't taken Rich Hill but this is it I think. <laughs> You've said a lot of fun things on this show. This is the Alamo that that might go up at the very top of my list. I, no. I, I like I'm that one. We got a good one in there. <laughs> All right, let's go to another guy here. He's going to hit at the top of the order for the Mariners going back to kind of beating the dead horse about bad teams, even have some good fantasy players. He's going to hit at the top of the order. He's going to play every day. Yep. Um, does he have an enormous statistical profile of a breakthrough prospect? No, he doesn't. But I think he could be Martin Prado in terms of a kind of stat line you might be looking at at his best, potentially. And I don't know if you're going to get his best this year, but I think Shed Long is a guy that you should be paying attention to. I think especially in those leagues where you're playing corner guys, I think, I mean, a middle infielders, excuse me. Sure. I think that middle infield guys like Shed Long can get the job done. He's got a little bit of speed. Uh, he did get caught three times, not just the, the three stolen yeah. bases. That's concerning. But I do think this is a team that's going to be aggressive on the base pass because it's their only way to win, Craig. And once again, opportunity, a little upside, cheap price. All of those things kind of come together and converge. And I think Shed Long is a decent buy. Yeah, he's my, like, the half. Like, I'm half in on this guy. I'm half so in I'm, on him, I, too. Yeah, and the reason why is because... In, in a short season, they have D Gordon sitting right there. And if this kid does not 
play well in the first couple of weeks, I don't know what Seattle's going to do. If they're 5-14, and 14, Shedlong is going to continue to play. If they're 14-5, and five, he will not. And I'm not saying the Mariners will be 14-5. and five. I don't know. But basically what I'm trying to say is I don't know that the leash is very long on the playing time here. He, I, I think he's going to have to play well to keep his gig because even at this stage of D. Gordon's career, I don't think he's going to hurt you. So they could pull the plug here and say, you know what? They could do the same thing with Kyle Lewis. But mm-hmm. Long in particular is one that they could go, oh, you know what? You got your time up here this year. We're happy with what we saw. Let's just stop. Let's put D. Gordon in. Let him waste away for the last month and be done. So I'm sort of half in on uh, on Long here. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let's move on to another guy. You know, we've talked so much about that trade between the Red Sox and the Dodgers, about David Price, who opted out of the season, about Mookie Betts, and, you know, mm-hmm. look how much you spent capital-wise to bring in Betts, and now you're only getting six games out of him. But we never talk about the Alex Verdugo side. And I understand Alex Verdugo is not exactly Mr. Uh, <clears throat> running for any offices lately. He's not exactly the most liked guy all the time, it appears. Yeah. Definitely some other issues there. But on the field... On the field, man, 106 games last year, 12 dingers. He had 44 RBI, 43 runs scored, stole four bags, and a 294 batting average. And yes, he was playing on a very good offensive team and a very good offensive lineup. But, I mean, he's going to be playing with guys like Bogarts and Devers and J.D. Martinez. So, Alex Verdugo is one of these guys where I feel like all of a sudden, I don't say the, the gleams off the rose, but I feel like he's kind of been second fiddled a little bit because all the buzz on the other side of this deal and this is a dude who I think is going to get every day at bats in, in Boston, I would imagine. You don't trade Mookie Betts for a guy and not play the guy every day. So despite all of some of the shortcomings of him in terms of off-the-field stuff or clubhouse stuff, I think Verdugo is still a pretty good 60-game investment. And I mean, and I want to emphasize the 60 games here. How about you? I think I'm out on this one. I think this, I think, I think this is one of the few that I'm out on. And and again, uh, the player may end up being okay. I worry when the Dodgers let go of you. They don't let go <laughs> of their young guys, you know. And and this was all they were basically willing to give to Boston in this deal. They wouldn't give up Will Smith. Um, they have other young players that they wouldn't give up. And Verdugo was sort of the outside looking in now for a couple of years. And I know the numbers were good. 60 but, um, games. I understand. Like, I'm I don't gonna, want him to keep gonna, I'm just going to – I'm not going to predict a bust, but I am not – going to be in on this on the player i just am I'm not going to do it try to get when, you the, when the dodgers are willing to let you go it's just but not it's not ah oh, it's so i'm so disappointed craig because yeah, i but, thought i thought opportunistic craig mish would come out as he likes to come out sometimes like the groundhog sometimes he sees his shadow here with alex verdugo and now he's going back in it's going to be six more weeks of spring training and i don't want that what i want is somebody to say hey it's only 60 games it's a it's not even a, a full season I, commitment to verdugo well, listen, let's get to the last guy oh, i, I right. have i have the last guy in all the fantasy leagues that i've done so. all right shogo akiyama is the last one yes, here again. i like this guy i like this guy too i'm gonna throw out a projection for you play 50 games hit 280 score 28 runs Steal six bags, hit seven dingers. Are you on board? you think that's a realistic projection for him? I think the Reds, with all of the talent that they have in the offense and all the talent that they have in the outfield, still went out and got this guy. They did not have to. They chose to. That's a really good sign. And I know that there were other teams that were in on Akiyama also that came up short. The Reds just offered more money. I can't say what his long-term projection is going to be, but I do think he's going to be very good this year. And the Reds made it very clear uh, David Bell, that he's going to play every day. So I you know, just counting those stats from now until the end of the year, he is the one guy of the five names that we're talking about that I think stands a chance to play the most of anyone. So I, I do like the player, plays in a good ballpark as well. I got him in a couple fantasy leagues. Me I'm too. Yeah, I'm a, Me yeah. too, man. I, I look, uh, I, you know, not because he's from the Japanese league, but because stylistically, when you watch the two players and you look at the stat lines they put up in Japan, Nori Aoki is hard not to come to mind. And Nori Aoki was a very useful fantasy player for a window there with the Royals and the Giants. For, for a couple of years. And look, Tsutsugo is good too, but he's on the race. Different so profile. It's like, oh, Different you profile. know, three days he doesn't play. You're like, what's going exactly. on with that? Akiyama's going to play every day and hit leadoff because they need him to. And I think that's that's. And they issue. didn't have to. They still had right. Winker. They still had Senzel. They still have Shebler. They went still out. Had Aquino. And, <laughs> and they still went out and got this guy. So right. And Castellanos too, right? Yeah. Uh, Castellanos they signed. Yeah. yeah they brought him so, in too. Yeah. They didn't have to make this move, and they chose to. It tells you what they think about the player. I like it. All right, uh, we'll take a brief commercial break here on Fantasy Sports Today. And coming up next, a little Dallas Cowboys discussion. What could be next for their quarterback position as the franchise tag is coming up here? Dak Prescott's 2020 season 
maybe in question. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. NFL training camps open up in a couple of weeks. Hard Knocks will follow after that. It'll be interesting to see what some of the teams end up doing in fantasy football for this year, given the fact that we have a uh, probably a truncated preseason. But some of these things are uh, stored are still in flux. I know that, Joe, that you recently completed your first fantasy football draft of the season mm-hmm. in the Scott Fish Bowl, for people who don't know what that is. Uh, Scott Fish is uh, a nice guy, basically, who puts together a fantasy league every year in July to benefit charity. And we did discuss some of Joe's team a couple of weeks ago. You can go back and watch our episode on demand or just basically take out Google and Google Scott Fishbowl. You'll see exactly what we're about. But sometimes we say things just assuming that people are watching with common knowledge. They may have no idea what it is. Mm -hmm. And so therefore now you kind of do. Now we went through the early part of your team. Was there a pick or two late that you went just before we get into the news with the NFL? Was there a pick or two late that you liked or a player that that you wanted to mention. Oh, sure. Here. Yeah, I didn't, absolutely. We didn't close that out. That's well, absolutely. We could definitely close that out here. Uh, it's a very unique scenario because, uh, number one, it's a super flex, so you have the option to play the other quarterback there in one of the flex positions. There's many flex positions. There's no defense, no kicker in this particular right. format. And you also get some of these points for first down. And the tight ends specifically have certain heightened scoring to try to level right. the playing field a little bit. And what happens is – the wide receivers tend to last a little bit longer than they should because people are so aggressive on the tight ends. But then there comes a juncture of, yeah, it's a wacky scoring format and all this, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, you're going to take a shot on Blake Jarwin and you're going to leave me Jerry Judy. Well, I'm going to take Jerry Judy. And and we'll see how that all works out in the end. So your receivers are Julio Jones, Ridley, and Judy? Uh, well, more than that, A.J. Green as well. So the that's receiving part, core. That's, too. that's a good core. So uh, the receivers are uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Uh, yeah. Then, of course, we've got A.J. Green, Jamison Crowder, uh, Jerry Judy, Alshon Jeffrey, Christian Kirk, Michael Pittman, and Hunter Renfro. So, again, it's a very large league, but I, I feel like yeah. that is a pretty good well group of, yeah. of talent. And, and um, you got two rookies. If one ends up good, you're, you're happy. You know, that's all. Well, you that's the way I look at it, too. And and the A.J. Green pick is one of those things based on, hey, you know, A.J. Green can still have wherever he is wide receiver one weeks. Is he a wide yeah, receiver one? Still like probably he's going not. Way too low. He is. Doesn't make sense. He is. And in terms of the running backs, too, I mean, uh, look, yeah, I, was I don't very love lucky. your running backs, but who would you end uh, up that's with after? Fair. Well, look, I, I don't either. But once again, I, you know, it's you're going to be, you know, you're going to be in a situation. You can't be it's ridiculous. Well, look, I start off with Saquon Barkley. Right, so Barkley's fine. But then it was dicey <laughs> after that. Who would you Saquon get after? Saquon Barkley, Kareem Hunt, who I still love. Uh, right. I think James White's going to be very productive. Who'd with you the get after White? Uh, after White, uh, Jordan Howard. Good old boring Jordan right. Howard just to yeah. be the company guy who will be fine. Uh, then I took Benny Snell waiting for the inevitable James Conner injury. I told I, you Benny Snell, man, that's a good pick. I took uh, Carlos Hyde and Jamal Williams. So again, I'm covering myself there and a quarterback. You'd be very pleased. Uh, I got Matt Ryan and mm-hmm. I got Josh Allen. Now in this scoring last year, Josh Allen had one or two negative games cause he had two just turnover riddled games and the turnovers really hurt you in this position. But he lasted way too long in this draft to go as a second quarterback to anybody, in my opinion, because Josh Allen controls his own scoring. Josh Allen is a guy that scores rushing touchdowns, scores, you know, rushing points. So why wouldn't you be all over him? I also took Kyle Allen and Jameis Winston as well. So I've got four quarterbacks. Winston could be a good pick. Yeah. So I'm liking this team. Uh, the only tight ends I have are Noah Fant. Uh, so this is the only yeah, one tight end I've got. Yeah. Uh, and Max Williams in Arizona I took just on a flyer. We'll see Max what happens. Max still in the league? Still in the leagues and with Arizona, who runs Boy, more that, plays that was than the guy else. I was super wrong on Max Williams. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe he's finally healthy. Gives a shot. But Probably Benny not. Snell, I keep saying it. I am telling you, I watched too much of this guy play in college. So he's you a, do like my running backs after all. Now you change. Your I think Benny Snell is going to be starting for you. Well, look, I when, think Benny Snell is going to be the starting running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. May not be right away, but eventually. I it's it's not impossible. He won't and ever catch I, the ball. 
but he's, no, but you he's know what? second down over and over again. I think we learned last year that Benny Snell, like you said, first and second down over and over again, and he's going to be the guy at the goal line. Jalen Samuels had plenty of opportunities to look fantastic last year, yeah, regardless think- of who was playing quarterback. I'm, I'm done with the Jalen Samuels narrative now. I've moved on to Benny Snell because I think even McFarland at some point in time of the season might take over some of that Jalen Samuels workload. Uh, but look, if I get anything like I expect out of Kareem Hunt and Benny Snell. Yeah, I'm and, not sure about Hunt, but I like uh, Snell. I am, uh, listen, two years ago, he was a top five overall pick. I this know, guy came I in know, last year. but they got a, they got like the best running back in the NFL there. <laughs> like that's but a problem. There's an, yeah, but you know what? Like that's like saying there wasn't enough fantasy to go around for Ingram and uh, and um, Alvin Kamara a couple years ago, and both I of them think just are both of those guys. Uh, maybe so, but I don't need any, I don't care who's better. I don't need Kareem Hunt to be better. Can he be good in this offense with Stefanski? I think the answer is well, absolutely. Let me ask yes. you this: If Kareem okay. Hunt puts up the same exact numbers over the course of 16 games than he did last year with Cleveland, He's is RB2. that a that's yeah. what it is. Okay, all right. So if that's what the, so if that's what it is. I don't know if you've noticed the game long of Kareem Hunt in the last six I know weeks he of the got season. 10, 15 points for a few weeks. Yeah, but if you get ten, Craig, if you get 10, 15 points for an entire season, for an entire season is different. Right? Well, but he, that's what for, you asked me. I, I just don't know that he's a startable RB two. But but again, if if his numbers extrapolate over sixteen games that he was in the games that he played, then then Look, that's acceptable. When Julio Jones makes it back to you in the second round, as tempting as it is to go out there and take another running back. I can't pass on Julio Jones in the second round. I just wasn't going to be that guy Look, who does. Pittman may be good too. I mean, it, I, that, that's what good I roster, like. Man. Take two rookies at wide receiver, and one of them you root for one. Well, root I feel for, like root for one to be great and one to be horrible, and you win. I mean, that's all yeah, you well, and if both are good, forget it. But yeah, I mean, but you know, it's not going to be. But look, I, I think what I tried <laughs> to do there was I took Judy, who I think is still the best of that group, and then I took Pittman, who I think might be called upon more than people realize early on in that group because T.Y. Hilton's health over the last few years, I think we've realized that there's a lot of downside yeah, to T.Y. Hilton, and you look at the rest That's of this a terrible quarterback there. But. Well, look, there's nobody else to play on the outside but him either, but Pittman because Campbell's a, sh- a slot guy, so. Pittman is going to start. He is going to be on the other side of of um, of T.Y. Hilton. And just from sheer opportunities and, and snaps that he's going to see, I think Pittman has a real chance. And look, he's a bonus. He's my seventh wide receiver or whatever he is at that point. Oh, yeah, like, but, but look, those guys, those guys end up making your team sometimes and playing. You can't just say that they won't be a factor. You never oh, know. Oh, no. No, hey, they're all on there for a reason. All right, so uh, over to Dallas and the Cowboys here as we go. Uh, Cowboys are, according to Calvin Watkins, who covers them for the Dallas Morning News, says they're, quote, not close to a long-term contract. Prescott last year threw for over 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks, 65% completion rate. And Prescott right now is usually going in the top 50 or maybe just a little bit outside as far as ADP is concerned. And, uh, Joe, look, I I still— firmly believe that game one, he's going to be there. Uh, Jerry Jones has this sort of way of negotiating with these guys that usually takes it right to the end and sometimes even lets it get into the season. We've seen this before. We saw with Zeke. We saw with Emmett. Um, I I think that Prescott probably will not get signed in the preseason, and I don't think he's going to play in the preseason, and people are going to be freaking out. But... I guess it's time to at least start looking at a possibility of him not playing. Although I, I just don't see this as being realistic. I think Me neither. And, and by the way, the worst possible time, if you're Jerry, if Jerry Jones is a smart guy, he didn't become super mega rich by being dumb. And when would be the dumbest time ever to give Dak Prescott a contract right now, right after, right, right after Mahomes signs. I mean, of course, of course. you got, you got to wait a little bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, what do you think he's going to be asking for? Something close to that. He's not going to get anything close to that. So uh, I think it gets done eventually. You don't yeah. think it gets franchised again? You think they actually get the deal done? Yeah, I do. Because you don't want to go that Kirk Cousins route either, where you keep franchising and franchising, and then eventually you I just think, run I out. I think it gets done, but I think it's right. I think it's the night before the season stuff, you know? Like I that. don't know if you want to do that either. I mean, you want to, I mean, as good as Dak is, I think you want him in camp. You want him practicing. You want him working out. I would predict out. he misses camp. Oh, I don't know, man. Look, all. I'm not saying that he is not going to play because I think he will. And I think they should get this deal done with him because I don't think it's going to get better. I mean, Dak Prescott, you know, he might not be Mahomes, but geez, what more does he have to do? He threw for almost 5,000 yards, three to one interception uh, to touchdown ratio here, 30 to 11. I mean, the guy was brilliant last year. 
And, I mean, I don't understand what more you can want. He's a really good guy. They screwed he, up giving Zeke all the money. Now they got to wait. They got to well, pay they, But they also paid Amari Cooper a lot of money, too. That's the true. Other thing. That's that, true. See, I don't think they screwed up paying Zeke a lot of money. Zeke, I think, is a weird anomaly of one of these guys you're going to look at. And every year, like, he's the kind of workhorse back that you don't see very often nowadays, where if the normal running back is like, well, he's got a good four years in him, I think he's got a good eight years in him. So I don't think that was a bad signing. The Amari Cooper signing... I did not like at the time. And I like even less. How those guys? That's crazy. Uh, they, that's why they're in the scenario they're in, Craig. And here's the issue. The issue is now you're in a spot with Dak Prescott where after you ended up in this past draft getting C.D. Lamb, how does that Amari Cooper money look now? You could have Lamb and Gallup and you could have just brought back Cobb if you wanted to and moved on from Amari Cooper. And I still think the Dallas Cowboys would be the front runners for the East. So it's very concerning. And I, I just think it's, it's worth a quick look to you of the ADP of the other Cowboys, if Dak, in the in the worst case scenario, if Dak sat out a year, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't think so. Either. But they did bring in Andy Dalton, and he is not some, yeah. you know, junk quarterback. He is a guy that's not got not some a, Flacco, is what you're saying. He is not Joe Flacco. That's He's not some Flacco off the street. Uh, but look, Dak Prescott, obviously, as you said before, going at 54 overall, the third quarterback off the board. Zeke's value is never going to change. He's still the third running back. He's still the third, somewhere fourth pick off overall. Amari Cooper is wide receiver 13, ADP 32 overall, that's one that I would drop down immediately. He's, to me, that's the number one guy to drop down. I still think Michael Gallup at 32 wide receiver overall, 71 ADP is a decent value, even if Andy Dalton was the quarterback for any time at all. A CD Lamb at 46, I imagine you would drop him down. I don't know if the offense all of a sudden is prolific enough to have a fourth guy really emerge from it. Maybe three, but four, I think, is asking a lot within Andy Dalton even. And then Jarwin and Tony Pollard, obviously, those are kind of second guys, second tier, deeper league guys that you're looking at anyway. But to me, the one guy is Amari Cooper that you look at the ADP with a non-Dak Prescott, a quarterback, I don't think I want to pay the price of the current Amari Cooper. Would you agree with that? That's the biggest loser potential. I'm glad we spent more time on Scott Fishbowl than we did on this because I just don't see uh, no, Dak sitting nothing, out. Just, nothing. I, I don't see any scenario – and the reason why isn't because of Dak Prescott. It's because of the state of quarterbacking in the NFL. It's horrible. There are not 10 good quarterbacks in the NFL. And if they are, you can start making borderline calls around 10 or 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Dak is so much in that category. The Cowboys cannot afford to take any chances. They let this guy go. They will never replace him. Or of course not. No. Oh. And speaking of bowls, are you in the Raz Bowl this year? Are you getting in any of the bowls? You know what? I was invited and I got to respond. I just haven't responded. I'm I'm bad like that. I think I, I get like anxiety thinking, oh, another league. You know, I always, I always get that. So much to take on. It's true. It's so difficult. Got a lot I'll, I'll hold your hand. We'll do the draft together. It'll be it'll be nice. We'll... I already got out of the guillotine league, by the way. I'm out. No, I wanted to get in that with yeah, you this year. I'm out. Oh, you crushed me. I'm can out. you get back in? I'll do it, and you can just pretend okay, it's you. Fine. You can get back in it. Uh, listen, we're done with the show today. We'll be back again tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. Thanks to Murph for coming on the show from the Five Yard Rush podcast. Appreciate him. Also, thanks to Tim Healy, who covers the Mets for Newsday. Thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for once again putting a great show on the air today. For my co-host Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Looking forward to seeing you guys tomorrow here on Fantasy Sports Today at 11 a.m. Eastern. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.